This is the Abrazo's Lounge Podcast, your source for everything iRacing, including race reviews, driver interviews, opinions, discussions, and much more. Here's your host, Mike Ellis. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewy Side 55, Carlos Fonseca, Jose Pabon, Kyle Fleischman, Lance Gentles, and special guest Chris Grandal. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great, yourself? Hey, pretty good. Uh, so let's start off with uh, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. Um, when we have somebody on for the first time, we like to ask you a few questions and learn a little bit about your eye racing. Sounds like you're a dad. I see you here, a baby back there. Yeah, but, getting ready uh, to head out to the store. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Um, so tell us about when did you start on eye racing and how did you hear about it? You know, I'm pretty new to eye racing. I started uh, November last year, so I haven't even been on in a year. Uh, I first saw it actually at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I was out in Charlotte for a sales conference and saw it there and thought how cool it was and got home and got myself all set up. Well, nice. So they have a permanent fixture there with a rig that, you know, you can jump in and and race or it was something like that you saw? Yeah, they've got actually kind of shells of, um, I'll bet you eight or ten cars that are all hooked into some kind of a private server that iRacing set up for them. And have like 20 guys all driving at the same time um and it was just a, a really cool setup nothing nothing fancy like some of the iRacers have but uh definitely showed me what what iRacing was and got to see kind of how realistic it is and started looking at it from there it was real neat yeah that's pretty cool the series that my team runs the nascar iRacing series is actually sanctioned by nascar um, the, the real NASCAR. So it's neat that they promote us uh, in our sport in their Hall of Fame. I think that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So uh, very cool. Uh, yeah, how, how often do you race? Uh, do you, are you a daily racer? You race once a week or what? I actually mostly spot. Um, I do a lot of spotting for Eric Grilly. Uh He's one of the other co-founders of our team. And um, we started out running kind of a lot of the A open NIS type stuff and now we're kind of just focusing on more of the league type fun racing but um, spot for him once a week and try to drive once a week it's probably more like once or twice a month is all that I actually drive these days but have a lot of fun with the spotting yeah spotting is fun now tell me uh, what kind of cameras do you use typically when you're spotting um, I actually use about three different cameras. I start out with the far chase camera and I'll zoom that way back and kind of tilt it up a little bit. If you get a chance to play around with those controls, it, you, it's amazing what you can do with those cameras. Which um, is control I, F12 and then use the W, A, S, and D key to move the camera around. Exactly. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll even open up the menu. There's all kinds of different options inside there as far as f- field of view and zooming in and out and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of one of the main cameras I use, um, and then I also use the chopper cam, and I'll kind of set that one up. Uh, again, I'll zoom it way back so I get a really wide view of the track, and kind of angle it to the left of my driver on an oval track, of course, and then uh, way down, 
And what I liked about that view, and actually um, Evan Rausch uh, was on, he's one of the, pre the president of Blown Gasket Racing, um, which is a team I started with. Um, he showed me that camera, and it's great because at most tracks, you can actually see the entire next straightaway when your driver is in the corner. Uh, so it gives you a really good view and makes it really easy to clear your driver, especially get him out of a wreck. Nice. <clears throat> Do you ever uh, have any problems with lag or you feel like you're saying, you know, door, bumper, clear, but it's not real time for him, the driver? You know, we've never never had too many issues with that. Um, I've always had a pretty good internet connection. I'm a console gamer too. So uh, much to my wife's chagrin, we've always had a higher internet connection than what Comcast might normally give you. Right. All right, cool. Uh, so you, you mentioned uh, you, you do a lot of league stuff, and uh, I was looking at your stats. There's not much to show here because you haven't done a lot of official racing is what it appears. Right. But, uh, so tell us about that league stuff a little bit. Uh, what is it you're doing there? Um, Wednesday nights we run um, the Xfinity car in a league called Southern Motorsports. And uh, we've had a lot of fun with that. They're doing a kind of a different format. They kind of stole uh, the idea of NASCAR's chase format and have adopted that. And uh, my driver, Eric, and I got a off to a real good start in that. They did an um, exhibition race or a preseason race uh, in that that we won at, uh, I think it was at Texas. And then we've won one other race in that league already. So we're pretty well locked into the chase in that. And really excited. It's it's a, a good league. They get um, pretty full fields. I think we usually have about 40 cars on Wednesday nights there. And then um, the occasional Thursday night, I'll spot uh, the cup cars. Again, that same Southern Motorsports League. Right. And, and uh, uh, I'm just working on, if you're looking at my stats, you know, I, I haven't done a whole lot of official racing, like you said. So I'm working on trying to pull my license up a little bit as well. Right. All right, and um, how many? Let's talk about your hardware a little bit. How many monitors do you have, and uh, do you use any like third-party software? Yeah, I use. Um, I run with two monitors. Um, since I'm not driving, I don't feel like I necessarily need triples. Although I, I would like to to get into that a little bit more too. But I run um, two monitors: one 27 inch, and the other one's like a 22 inch monitor. And um, what I'm spotting. Uh, you know, obviously I have my main view on the bigger screen. On the second screen, I will use either Joel Real Timing, um, which is a great timing software. They've got a really nice interface, give you a lot of data. Or Sim Racing Apps um, is kind of one that I've started playing with the last uh, two or three weeks or so. And that one's really nice. It shows you uh, a nice track map and gives you timing, gives you access to, to fuel and stuff like that. As a spotter, that, that one's really nice. Just gives the, me all kinds of great information I can give my driver. Now the and, Sim Race app, I haven't tried that yet. That's interesting to hear your feedback on that one. That was one I haven't tried. One of the few, because I do try almost everything. But uh, I I use the Z1 dashboard, which is basically the same thing as a Sim Race app. It's just obviously different people. And then the I can also speak to Joel Real Timing. I absolutely love. Joel real timing and it's spelled J O E L. And if you uh, search that in the forums, you'll find it, but it's free. And, uh, you can, 
I run it on a fourth monitor below my triples off to the right, kind of behind the gear shift. And you're right. The amount of data that's available there is amazing. Even when you're racing, I love seeing uh, uh, when people are pitting and who's falling through the field and who's moving forward and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's um, the free version is great. I did buy the paid version. It's not terribly expensive. Um, Joel is updating that thing constantly. And like you said, um, I actually run it on an Android tablet. Um, it updates great. The tablet screen isn't terribly huge, so it's not taking up a lot of space on my desk. But it's big enough where it's given me uh, plenty of room to, to see the information I need. And Joel Real Timing does a great job of telling you when people are pitting, how long not only your driver has on the current set of tires or current tank of fuel, but also what all the other drivers on the track have. So I think um, if you're running that, I think it gives you a huge advantage. Right. Yeah, I love it. I, I think you, everyone should try that. Um, it's kind of like what I would describe as Formula One style timing and scoring. Um, so, okay, so next up is, are you part of a team? What is the name of the team? And what's your most memorable iRacing moment? Uh, yeah, actually, Eric Burley, one of the guy that I usually spot for, myself, um, a gentleman by the name of Cody Creamer, and a gentleman by the name of Eric Spencer. Um, I think in August, we started a, a new team called Lazy Days Racing, and we came from a team that had a, a focus of getting drivers to the pro level, and I think if there was any team that would do it, I believe those guys will do it. Great team, great group of guys. It was just getting a little too serious for us. We wanted to have something a little more fun. So we started Lazy Days Racing with the hopes of just building a, a group of guys up that when you're racing, hop in TeamSpeak and there'll be someone there you can chat with, maybe someone who can spot for you, and just a group of guys to have fun. Um, yeah, and you have a neat web, you have a website too. I was just looking at LazyDaysRacing.com. Yeah, Lazy Days with a Z on the, on the days, but... Uh, yeah, it's, um, we've had a lot of help from one of our teammates, Skyler, who's uh, put that together for us. We're trying to build it into kind of a, a destination for iRacing where people can go and ask questions. We've got a classified section on there that we're trying to uh, promote. We're still doing a lot of work on it. We want to get pages for all of our drivers. We've got, um, I think, 45 drivers that have already kind of come on and are, are driving with us. And um, certainly always looking for more, more people. If you're just looking to have some fun on iRacing, um, check us out on our website. There's a little contact area there. Get in contact with us, and we'll see if we might be a good fit. Okay, and just clarify, is it a team? Is it a league? Is it both? Uh, it's a team. Uh, we're, okay. we're a team, um, basically just kind of a, a social club for, for people iRacing. Um, we don't have a whole lot of requirements as far as you have to run this series or that series or a certain number of races or anything like that. Just trying to keep it real fun, nice and low-key. Is there a series that a majority of your team runs, like NIS? or? Um, you know, it's kind of a mix. We've got, I'd say, probably 25% of the guys are running NIS, another 25% run exclusively leagues. We also have uh, a bunch of newer guys that are kind of working their way up through the, even the rookie series that we're trying to kind of teach uh, teach the game or the sport of iRacing to and kind of show them the ropes. It's been a lot of fun. Well, first of all, I got to say it's interesting that you're 
mostly spotter, part-time driver. Uh, we in our team we could never find spotters because everybody just wants to drive. You know, well, why would I spot for him when I can be in the race too and drive my own car? And that was always the reason I could never get a spotter. And if today, I, I mean, I would love to have a human spotter as long as they were good at what they did and they you know knew what they were doing. I would love it, you know, but I haven't found anybody that's willing to do that. It's interesting that you're willing to do that, at least. Uh, so you're having fun doing it, obviously. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a great time. Um, I've got, you know, a couple of drivers that I just mesh really well with. It's kind of like just hanging out at the racetrack as friends. Um, Eric Burley and I probably have, we might even have 100 races under our belt together. And um, I wanted to get into spotting because... I am so new to iRacing, and I never raced um, real cars. I didn't do late models, sprints, anything like that. So really very new to racing myself as a whole. Um, big NASCAR fan. I followed that for a long time and actually listened to um, Dale Jr. and his spotter, TJ Majors, on um, RaceView. And that kind of got me, hey, maybe I could spot and use it as a learning tool. And I think it's great, especially for someone who's new to it, to learn from, I can watch kind of the lines my driver is taking, get a feel for breaking points, get a feel for how to make a good pass, a clean pass, um, because that's something that's important to me is being a clean racer. I don't want to go out on the track and wreck everyone to get a win or wreck everyone, everyone just to finish a race. Are you so, crew chiefing? Like, are you saying, telling him when to pit? Or are you the one, you know, making calls like that? Or Yeah, um, you know, I usually... I don't try to force what I'm thinking on my driver. Um, you know, I'll, I'll certainly do whatever it is they want to do, but I have all that data in front of me using Joel Real Timing and iRacing or uh, Sim Racing apps. So I feel like I can help them make a really good, really informed decision about what the best course of action is throughout a race. And watching Joel Real Timing, being able to see how long somebody's in the pits. You can get a really good feel for if they took two tires or four tires. Um, get a really good idea from a fuel strategy standpoint of how much fuel you have left. So it, it, it does make it real easy to kind of take over that crew chief role for your driver too. Right. And so, and I guess let's go to a final question here. What style do you think you have? I mean, you got Joey Meyer, who's a spotter for Brad Keselowski. He'll give, uh, you know, three tenths out front four tenths out back every lap he'll tell his driver stuff like that where you know what's the gap uh, or you got tj who's very technical uh, you know i heard you mention him earlier uh, who do yeah. you think style you got um i'd love to say i'm pretty similar to tj i think he's one of the best spotters uh, in the sport um I'm a big Hendrix fan, so I do kind of alternate between um, the 88 team, 24, 48, 5 team, listening to their radios. Um, I do listen to, like, uh, Kansas radio a little bit, but I seem to gravitate toward um, TJ Majors and the 88. Um, so the biggest compliment somebody could give me would be saying, hey, you're, you're a spotter just like he is. Um, my philosophy is to try and paint the best picture I can for my driver of what's happening alongside of him, behind him, and specifically in front of him, especially to keep him out of a wreck. Obviously, um, some of these league races, you do get a lot of wrecking, and it can be a huge advantage 
even just missing one wreck can mean the difference from finishing 15th to finishing third, winning the race. Um, so my goal is to just give them a real good picture so that they can almost see what's around their car, even though they can't physically see it. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's jump into topics. Lance, what's up? Uh, we got the uh, Peak Antifreeze series. Looks like uh, Alfala won the race and uh, narrowed the point gap to uh, four points ahead yeah. of uh, P.J. Sturgis. Yeah, they, they're promoting the race tomorrow. So it's tomorrow night, New Hampshire, uh, two races to go and four-point gap. So ten grand on the line, too. Oh, yeah, I misread that. He did not win the race. As he won the last happened one. Yet. No, pardon me. He did win the last one. He had a good run in the last one, which closed the points gap. But he leads the standings by only four uh, going into tomorrow night's race. So just tune in if you uh, catch the podcast tomorrow. It'll be the night of tomorrow. So 9 p.m. Eastern. Kyle, it should up be an interesting race. Yeah. I'm going to watch. Next on the docket, the Grand Prix series finally had another race. They ran at Nuremberg Ring. And uh, Gregor Hutu pulled out the win over Kroenke this week. So still doing the uh, 1-2 battle here. And uh, Mitch DeJong finished third in that race. We've been talking about him quite a bit. Okay. And Hutu finally breaks through is what I was thinking. Yep. And uh, for update to the standings, Kroenke still got a 17-point lead over Hutu in the uh, in the standings with how many races do they have left? Two? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then Kyle, do you want to uh, we, we missed one topic that we want to go back to uh, the big event coming up for Cody Kramer. Yeah. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Um, Cody Creamer is uh, one of the guys who started Lazy Days Racing with myself, Eric Spencer, and Eric Riley. And in uh, August, he was diagnosed with uh, a form of cancer called uh, Langerhans cell histiocytosis. Um, and it's, it's a really rare cancer, most commonly found in children and infants, believe it or not. Um, and basically, it kind of the way I understand it is it attacks the white blood cells. Um, and uh, Cody is, is fighting through that real hard. He, uh, he actually got some test results back today that the cancer is not in his bone marrow. Uh, so that's a, a, um, just an amazing blessing. Um, everybody on the team has been praying for him. And we were trying to figure out something that we could do to help support Cody. Um, he's going to be out of work for a little bit. And uh, he loves racing, loves iRacing. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the internet right now. Um, Kind of trying to save some money, so uh, he's not on on i racing too much. But uh, we decided we would put together a charity race for him, and um, he loves road racing. So we were going to do it on a road, but we decided to stick to the ovals so we could draw more people. So we're going to host a 300 mile event at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're calling it the Cody Creamer Take a Bite Out of Cancer 300, and um, we're trying to do something a little unique here. I was hoping to. Uh, be able to get more people to sign up for the race than 
than just the 40 that you typically have in a race. So we decided to do a two-day event um, Friday night, October 21st. We're going to host two 35-lap heat races at Charlotte. Um, we're going to use the A cars, and uh, we're going to do 60% fuel and fixed setup, keep it competitive for everyone. But so we're going to have uh, the two heat races on Friday night, and those races will determine who gets to race on Saturday night. Now, another little spin that we put on this is we opened up the first 10 spots um, on the, the feature race on Saturday are actually reserved for people who pay uh, a little bit higher of a registration fee. So those spots are $25. We actually only have um, two or three of those left. So if, if your, your listeners are interested, make sure they uh, snap that up real quick. And that's, again, at LazyDaysRacing.com, days with a Z. And up at the top, there's a, a button for the race. Um, and then the other spots are, are just $10. And like I said, our goal is to just raise some money to help help Cody out with these medical bills. Um, he's 21 years old, way too young to to be fighting cancer. And we just really want to show him the brotherhood that we are at Lazy Days Racing and show him, hey, you know, we're behind you. We've got you through this. And um, it was very encouraging, like I said, to get the, those test results back today. Um, Robert, the owner of Domino's TYJ Racing, he actually sent us a message and said he wanted to match the final five people that signed up for that $25 spot. So the three remaining spots or two remaining spots that we have left, by signing up for $25, you're actually giving us uh, $50 for Cody. Um, so that was just an amazing uh, call to get from him. Uh, the people at NPR Setup Analyzer, um, they make iRacing Setup Analyzer, which from what I hear is just a phenomenal tool for people who are running open setups. Uh, really kind of, it sounds like it looks at what you're doing on track and offers setup advice to you. They have given us um, two copies of their setup analyzer to give away. So we'll be giving away two of those um, to random finishing positions um, in the heat races on Friday night. Um, our team has raised $200 of prize money. So the first place winner of uh, Saturday's feature will get $100. Second place will get $50 and third place will get $25. And then that last 25, we're actually going to um, kind of do another random drawing for everyone who uh, registers in the race uh, to get $25. Wow. So quite an event. Yeah, we're, um, we're really excited. Registration is going good. We've still got, you know, just under a month. We'd love to have more people sign up. Uh, there's still plenty of spots available. But like I said, if your listeners want to be guaranteed to start in the top 10 Saturday night, make sure they snap those spots up fast. Yeah, and iRacing is always a community. There's so many of us, and so glad you guys are doing something for him. That's cool. Uh, we have one of our team members who's a regular here on the show, Brad Miller, uh, actually laid up and is not able to iRace. He had a little a medical procedure, but he's doing just fine. And, uh, hope to have Brad back soon. Yeah, it's uh, tough to watch that happen to one of your teammates. Um, yeah, you got to do something, right? Absolutely. Well, I, I commend you guys for putting it together. Uh, go to the website people and sign up. Uh, let's yeah. move on. Uh, the next topic is the uh, NASCAR iRacing series. Uh, who wants to start? Lance? How'd you do? Uh, disastrous. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was tough, huh? Yeah, it's a flat track and I've never really been um, uh, very, very good at 
very proficient at flat tracks. Um, I have an issue finding speed, and um, it showed. And uh, when I found myself in a position um, that was more towards the front, I I got a little hot-headed and put my foot back in the gas a little early and wound up in the wall. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my week. Tough. Wow. And uh, Carlos Fonseca is actually not on with us because he's recording and has technical issues due to he upgraded to Windows 10 today on his racing computer. So, um, Well, I can comment on that, I guess. Oh, go ahead. It sucks. So far, you're not liking it? That's all right. Only reason why I even have this in the first place is... Because of Forza 6, or not 6, one of them two of Forza games that are available on PC, but only on Windows 10. Well, since you're talking, tell us about your New Hampshire races. Whatever Lance said, just go with that. That's what happened to you, too? Oh, I don't know. I just only ran one race, I think. Two races. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of uh, participation like normal. It seems like a lot of people stayed away. I don't know. They need to get rid of that track. Well, they don't need to go there twice. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Replace it with Rocky Am. There we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's probably uh, all going to comment on. So, I'll I'll go next. Uh, well, I actually, well, got some details here. Wednesday it was a pretty good run. There were lots of green flag runs. I did stay on the lead lap. Uh, it was very much followed the leader. There was no passing going on, really, um, in my splits. It was, unless that guy messed up, you're, just, you're not going to pass him. Um, and it was really, you ended up running what you qualified, it, it almost felt like. So if you qualified top 10, that's where you ran all day. If you qualified in the back, that's where you stayed all day. That's what I saw. Uh, Thursday, I got a 12th. Uh, I did get intentionally wrecked under caution, which, boy, when is the last time I've said that? It's been a long time. But sure enough, I got a, you know, I had a racing incident with some guy, and uh, he didn't like what I had to say, and he came up under the caution, passed about four cars, and got to me uh, before, you know, he kind of bumped into me a little bit. It wasn't, you know, that big a deal. I ended up not protesting him. There was another incident in this race, though, I want to talk about. There was a guy, uh, there's a guy named Shane Van Gisbergen. We've talked about him before. He's a real race car driver uh, in the Australia V8 Supercar Series. Uh, he's really quick over there, and he's the real deal. But anyway, he races with us on ovals occasionally, and he raced... Uh, on that race with us and he was doing I think fourth place final lap the guy in fifth this went down the back straight did not break a wall at all it went straight across the grass and the uh, the uh, frontage road there and ran right into Shane Van Gisbergen and took him out and it was so intentional it was ridiculous Carlos you saw that replay of what when Shane Van de Gisbergen got taken out by that yeah, intentional wreck. Anyway. Yeah, I think I saw it once. Apparently, uh, that guy got, I'm not going to name him, but he did get protested and banned. Uh, and he actually uh, 
said so on uh, Facebook. So I was well deserved in my, t- uh, you know, I don't know what Van Gisbergen did to him. I didn't, I kind of went back a few laps and looked if they had some kind of incident or something. And then nothing that I could see. I was kind of surprised that the guy did it. Well, that guy's had issues in the past too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a regular, you know, always getting in cautions and whatnot. Uh, Friday, I got an 18th uh, self-spun off two. Uh, Saturday, I self-spun off two twice and got a 13th. Saturday was fun because it was top split, and uh, Ray Afala was in there and he won the race. And there were four four pros total, I believe, in that split. So it wasn't easy to, to run well, and I was pretty proud of that run. Uh, Brad Miller actually got a t- uh, 14th, I think, or something on that race. Uh, Sunday, I was I qualified 7th. And I usually, when I qualify, I run dead last, or what I call P dead last. Like, I'll qualify, and I'll be the last one of, of the qualifiers, usually. Uh, but somehow, I qualified seventh on Sunday and ran top ten all day long uh, until I got near the end, like with 30 to go or something, and spun on my own again. So, 17th. So, I'm, I'm done with New Hampshire. I'm ready for anything besides New Hampshire. So, bring on Dover. Uh, Kyle, how did you do? Oh, it was a mixed bag. I only ran one fixed race this week, and that was last night. Um, put the car in 11th to start the race. Ran right around 4th, 5th, 6th, somewhere in there for about the first 60 laps or so. And uh, got tagged by another person I won't name, but he sent me down on the infield on the back stretch and managed to gather it up. No real... Uh, just a 4x, no damage or anything. I think it was like 30 seconds optional. And uh, so then the rest of the race was basically trying to play catch up. And with 30 to go, the same gentleman that wrecked me the first time took me out, completely blown motor. So um, for the open, I ran that Wednesday night and got a 12th out of it. Struggled to get the car to rotate through the turn, just couldn't get it to rotate at all. Did some tweaking on it, ran it again on um, Thursday, I believe it was, and um, pulled a fifth place out. So, ready to move on. Well, that's a good result. Well, the good thing is still, I believe, third in the fixed standings, and I think third in the open as well. Yeah, Keep keep chopping. We're getting down to the end here. Like a nine to get eight to go. So, Jose Pabon, you had a top ten. You told me it felt like a win. Oh yeah, yesterday in the open, uh, I had the first open that I ran, I actually ran very well. Um, I was running top five, and unfortunately got taken out. Ended up with a P14 on the first attempt on the, of the open. But yesterday, uh, I wasn't running very well at all. I was running top fifteen. The best is what I probably could do. Um, but fortunately enough, at the very end, there was incidents that involved several drivers, and I was able to cap a top 10, and I was really happy about that, uh, especially for the split that I was in, and particularly because I was able to reach a goal of 3,000 in my I rating at last. 
Finally. And you're running in the same splits as most of uh, the rest of the team. So congratulations. Good job. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, on to Dover uh, for the NIS. We'll see how that goes. Lance, what's next? Well, um, I had a chance over the past um, week to sit down with an HTC Vive and give it a go. So uh, I've got um, some bullet points and a little bit of a review I'd like to give uh, just based on my initial impressions with the uh, device and um, start off with what's in the box. Um, It's a fairly large box. comes with um, a couple of... uh, laser projectors that they call lighthouses you have to put up in the corners of your room um, those talk to the IR indicators that are on the uh, on the or IR receivers that are on the headset basically what they do is they reflect the uh, laser light back to those lighthouses which communicate back to the headset in your computer and uh, tell you where the headset and the hand controllers are in space and um, I, I tell you what, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing experience to put this thing on. It's millimeter accurate. So you're talking about Oculus Rift style goggles, but it's a different company. Right. HTC um, partnered with Valve to develop this, uh, this headset um, to compete with the Oculus Rift. Um, so it is completely supported by Steam. Most uh, most of the Steam games are no. I, I say that that's wrong. Most of the games that are for the Vive are through the Steam store. Yeah, I think and a lot of Steam games is obviously are... supported, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. So you get the two lighthouses, you get the headset, you get two hand controllers that are are pretty versatile. Um, If they're laying on the floor and you can see them with the headset and you lean down to pick them up, they're exactly where you would expect them to be. So you put these goggles on, you can't see anything. It's like you've put on a blindfold, right? Well, it does have a, a chaperone system. Whenever you do the initial setup, um, it it guides you through it guides you through a um, a room measuring deal. You can choose either a standing experience or um, or a, a room scale experience, where you take the the wand and you kind of draw out the uh, the perimeter of your room, and um, it it gives you a virtual wall that in inside the headset. So whenever you put it on and you get close to your boundary, it'll throw up a grid in front of your face that tells you, Hey, you're close to the wall. Back off, buddy. Nice. Okay. It's got the, like I said, it's got the headset, the two controllers, uh, the controllers have, um, triggers on them so you can use them like uh, pistols in both hands and the controller or the uh, triggers also used to uh, select items in the menu when you point the uh, the handset at it uh, they've got track pads for control um, in games where you have freedom of motion because um, obviously you can't walk around uh, for great distances in a small space so um, when it does want you to move in certain games, you push forward on this trackpad, and uh, it'll it'll have you move, and you can go side to side to turn. 
Um, I would actually prefer it be uh, a thumbstick, like uh, like say a gamepad, but um, a lot of people like the trackpads. Whenever whenever you actually put the device on for the first time, um, getting used to it, acclimating to um, to VR space is it's pretty intuitive. Um, depending on the game you're in or the environment you're in. Um, if you have motion sickness, I would say it's not for you. But um, just a everyday guy with, um, with no motion sickness issues, putting this headset on and looking around the room, it's, it's, like, it's like you're in the room. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, see, I, I can't ride a roller coaster, so I think this would not be for me. It would make me sick. And my other question is, is hand controls, you obviously are not using those during when you're racing, right? That's correct. In a racing experience, they make, uh, they make no difference. Um, you can use them to open menus and, and select different things, but really that's all outside of the sim. Once you get in into uh, iRacing, um, it's best to have your your graphic settings to where your your steering wheel is on, and your seat adjusted to where the steering wheel is in the position to where you reach out with your hands. It's it's where it should be, and that uh, that really helps with. Um, with the vertigo issues for people that tend to have because you could have something to anchor on to almost right exactly cool so um whenever whenever you're doing the adjustments or the adjustments that are available in the headset are um, the screen distance from your eyes um, you can you can click it out away for say somebody that wears glasses or has really long eyelashes um, you, there's an adjustment on the side. You pop out a couple of rings and twist them forward or backwards, and it moves the screen towards or away from your face. Uh, from your face. Um, it has a little twisty knob on the side to adjust uh, the lenses to the uh, space between your eyes, and there's an um, actual definitive measurement that you can get for that. And the actual term escapes me right now. Um, but um, if you go to an optometrist, they'll measure the space between your eyes, and you can set the lenses up for that exact measurement. And it uh, it helps take some of the blur and the um, pixelation effect, which I'll get into a little bit later, uh, away from uh, from the screen. Um, it's got a couple of elastic straps, whereas, say, not that this is a comparative review, but the Oculus Rift has more of a rigid rubberized strap. Um, this has elastic straps, so it can, it tends to be nose heavy if you don't get it adjusted just right and get some of the weight put on, uh, um, borne by the straps that go around and on top of your head. It does have a, a cable that comes out of the top of the headset and goes on top of the center strap on your head. And, uh, I have, uh, I have a Sparco seat on my abutto rig and um, I have that cable fed through one of the uh, harness holes on the uh, up by my shoulders and it doesn't snag on there it uh, it moves pretty freely so I don't uh, I don't get my head in a bind whenever I'm uh, moving around and looking around in the sim yeah and I thought the 
the one that Microsoft is working on, the goggles they're working on, they're going to do the video wirelessly somehow. Uh, it hasn't been released yet, but I mean, would it, would that be a big deal for you? I mean, it, or was the wire a hindrance at all? No, I find in a in a seating position that the wire is not a hindrance at all. Um, it, I mean, I can see where it could be if you don't have a place to run it like I do. You need a strain relief on it, is what you're saying. Right. If you had, uh, say, something like a hook, uh, I've seen a couple of um, YouTube videos where there's a, a, a guy that has a, a setup and he's got um, like a suspended elasticized cable from the ceiling that he'll hang that on and um, it, it takes it away from being drug around on the floor. Good idea. Yeah, you see those like uh, VR backpacks where they look like they look like a Ghostbuster. The yes. wire comes up out of it. I don't know. Just everything's all it's like all in a bag for like portable VR, I guess. Yeah, that that would be a problem with battery life, I think, it for an extended be. experience. I just say you know, the one that you, when you look at them, the guys who wear them look like a Ghostbuster. How is the thing powered? Uh, it's powered through. Um, there's a. A USB and um, um, HDMI pass-through box that you sit uh, off to the side, and it it connects uh, a DC cable, and that passes through to the uh, to the headset. There's three cables that run up to the headset that carry uh, USB. Um, your sound you can there's a there's a sound cable you can actually connect some earbuds to it i use my headphones uh, i just changed the setting to where the sound output is uh, through the headphones and uh, i use my g35s for uh, for all of my audio because the headset itself does not support surround sound uh, whereas my g35s do and uh, it didn't get in the way of your g35s no, um, I have a I have a pretty big head, so I had to extend them all the way out, and it just barely fits around my ears. Okay. So if if you've got a head bigger than mine, which is a rarity in this world, my head is huge. Um, it's uh, it, it's relatively comfortable. You can get it adjusted and get your headset on, and there are headsets that extend further out than the G35s. The G35s are kind of a mid-range headset. Um, low end of the, the high end. It's heavy though. It is a it is it gets weighty. Um the the headset itself, the uh Vive, the HTC Vive, weighs five hundred and fifty five grams or one point two pounds. That um, that surprised me when I saw that number. I thought it yeah. would be less. You know, 1.2 pounds is really not that bad considering there's a OLED screen inside and um, all kinds of all kinds of other components. Um, it, they managed to cut the weight down significantly. I think they would do better with maybe some lighter composite materials, but that would up the price. Yeah. Um, it's got a foam pad around uh, where it sits on your face that's uh, pretty soft and squishy and is really comfortable, but it can get warm over an extended period of time. And um, if you're a person that has a tendency to sweat a lot, it can cause a little bit of a skin irritation and uh, leave you with like a red ring around your face for a little while. Now, 
Jose, I, you've been talking about getting one of these, but you also sweat like a dog during some of these races. How is that going to work? You know, I, I've been thinking about that, and that is really a uh, uh, detriment to me because I do sweat like a dog. And, uh, I mean, it's with the headphones, and I really soak them up. So that's, that's something that i got to consider. Yeah, it's going to be sweating to... on your face, you know. And... Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I, I also asked the question of, visual perception um being that i am blind officially through one eye um so that was another question that i had asked lance about and asked him to test on which he answered for me um generally it would work but uh yeah you're right in regards to my uh sweating issues <laughs> definitely so you don't think it'll work if you only you're using one eye well i, th I think it'll work um I don't think it'll be any different than anybody else uh, because of the way I, I see generally. Right. It'll be, should it be this similar to what you're normally used to, right? Exactly. You know, I do wear glasses. So yeah, the, the glasses issue was another uh, question that I asked Lance about when it came to the lens and the, and the proximity of the lens to the glasses. Um, I didn't talk about the sweating issue. I didn't realize that aspect of it, but I did think about it. Um, something especially... The endurance races that I do race for a very long period of time. I do a lot of long distance races when it comes to the NISs. Um, and there are times when I catch myself in a, in a position where it's very tense and, and I do tend to sweat uh, on those tense moments. So that is something I have to consider if I do re decide to purchase this object. Well, as it, um, as it comes, the uh, my next point is... Uh, the long-term comfort. I did um, two full fuel stints in the Petit Le Mans this weekend, and I had pretty few issues. But I've uh, I've got pretty good air conditioning. I got a lot of airflow in this room that I'm in, so it does cut down on on the the heat that can be generated by the memory foam pad that goes around your face. But yeah, but you did okay. And I think if if you plan and you got good air, like you said, good air conditioning, maybe you have a fan that's blowing right on your head. Yeah, for well, me, I, that wouldn't even matter because, like I said, I I, I so there's days that I go upstairs and I'm soaked. I have to take a complete shower after a race, um, and I'm I race in a basement that is extremely cool with a fan on me, and I have an it's AC powered everything. The house is AC powered, so. Coolness is in the house. It's just that I, for some reason, tend to sweat a lot when I'm agitated or excited or under pressure. Yeah, and as you sweat, that's gonna that's gonna break down the uh, memory foam that's in the pad. It does come with a couple, um, and you can buy replacements for them. So as they deteriorate and eventually wear out, then you you can replace them. They just snap in. It's it's pretty easy. A question I didn't ask you, Lance, is if you decide that, that at one time you don't want to use the VR headset, are you able to switch back and forth between the VR and your triple screens or double screens or single screen, whichever you have? Um, I haven't really tested the ability to switch back and forth after a race has started. Um, I'm pretty confident that you cannot after the race has started uh, when you load into the sim it gives you a little uh, dialog box and it says it's detected a VR headset and would you like to use it for the race and you click yes or no and I think that's it oh but that's what I mean you have the choice 
when you start the race, I, oh, I want to run triples or I want to run the goggles. Right. At the beginning of the race, that's when you get that option. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I wanted to know. I appreciate that. Thank you. So at one, what point do you put the goggles on then? Are you using your computer screens after your computer's booted to actually launch the sim and stuff and then put them on after the sim is launched? Yeah, that's right. You, um, you, launch, um, you, you launch the web browser, the iRacing web browser, and um, select your race. And then uh, when you go to join session, it gives you that normal little slider box that, that comes up. And as it's loading that, that box, that's when it pops up that, uh, that question, would you like to run VR? What I do at that point then is uh, make sure that yes is selected. And then I put the headset on and I get into position, um, my, my racing position. And then I hit enter and select yes. And I sit there and I wait until the sim starts launching. That way it calibrates your your position and the way you're looking is forward. So you want your seat pulled forward in your normal spot and whatnot, like when you normally are racing? Yes. Very good point. I don't know if that's always 100% necessary, but that's... Um, from from everything I read, that's what uh, what they say to do, and I haven't done a whole lot of testing as to whether or not that's the case. Because I, uh, when it when it goes out of calibration, you got to do the calibration thing again. It's it's not really all that complicated. It's just kind of tedious to have to recalibrate um, the uh, seating position. Um, out of the when, when you put the headset on, now this varies to some degree based on how far you have the screen away from your face, um, but the normal field of view inside the headset is 110 degrees, but that's mostly nullified by being able to uh, move your head around and look to the left and right, um, whereas you don't have that option with, with screens without a button press or a really uh, sharp uh, angle on your triple screens if you have them. Do you imagine that in the future goggles will give you a full 180 degrees? I th I think so. Once um, once the technology progresses a little bit, and um, they come out with the curved screen models, right. I, I think I think you'll have the 180 degrees, and uh, all your periphery and everything will be um, pretty spot accurate. Right. So yeah, that that 110 degrees it varies a little bit. That, like I mean, I that's said. quite a bit if you think about it. But oh, that's it's not the full, you know, 180. But it's it's most of it. It's definitely more than you get with a with a single screen. Right. So when you have the headset on, um, you do get a little bit of a, a screen door effect. And if you don't know what a screen door effect is, um, put your nose up against your monitor and, and you'll see it. You can see the individual pixels because your eyes are, when you're wearing this, just a couple of inches away from, from a screen. And as advanced as organic LED screens are, the pixels on them are still not small enough to, to eliminate that. Now, eventually they will be. There's some new screen technology that's uh, that's on its way down the road uh, that will pretty well eliminate that because the pixels will be so microscopic you won't be able to differentiate them even even millimeters from your face. But once you get in immersed, as you called it, uh, you lose the sight of that, right? 
Right. After you spend some time and you, and you start to get um, you start to get um, acclimated to to being in a racing environment or another game, whatever you're playing, those start to you you don't notice them because you're focused on what you're doing. Um, one of the one part where that is really apparent is when you're looking at cars that are kind of far away. Whereas if I'm sitting here looking at my triple screens, I can tell, um, say for instance, we're, we're going to be at Dover this week. I can look from, um, the entrance to turn or the entrance to the front straight. I can look down all the way into turn one and tell you, um, just by the paint scheme, um, usually who that is up there. I can identify that. Whereas on the Vive, that's not so apparent because of that pixelation. You can tell there's a car up there, but it gets a little a little distorted because of the uh, uh, the sampling isn't high enough to, uh, to lower low, Lower resolution, right? It's high resolution. It's high resolution, but it's right there on your face. So right, you just, so it appears as a low resolution almost. Kind of. It, it, it chops some stuff up, and uh, that does get uh, kind of frustrating at some points. But that will only improve with uh, future generations. Um, requirements to run one, you need a pretty beefy computer with a lot of RAM and uh, a fairly new generation graphics card, at least, uh, I'd say a nine, a 970. Um, I run a 980 TI and I get, uh, the the proper 90 frames per second. I had to turn my anti-aliasing down a little bit to get it, uh, just right. But, um, I think if I had a beefier processor and maybe a few more gigs of RAM, I think uh, I think I could probably run it with the 1080. The 1080 is um, is kind of the the gold standard for running these right now. Um, it's the new gen graphics card, and you can push everything at uh, at full tilt. Oh, with, isn't that uh, what Jose just bought? Oh yeah, yeah, Jose just did. He, he's all set up for it. So, yep. Um, but uh, you do have to have a fairly fairly beefy computer. Um, older older computers are uh, not going to be able to run this. Older generation processors, uh, you're going to have some frame rate issues, um, and you're just going to going to have to turn your graphics down to compensate. So now we get to the sticker shock. Um, how much it costs to buy one of these? It's about eight hundred bucks, maybe a little more with tax. Um, but for 800 bucks, you get the headset, you get the two hand controllers, you get, um, the two lighthouses, um, all the cables that you need to run it. Uh, it, I think it's worth it. Honestly, if you have the money, um, like I said, it's not going to be for everybody, uh, especially those with, uh, with motion sickness issues, but, um, Considering triple screens are dependent on how how high end you go, you're going to spend at least uh, six to nine hundred dollars on triple screens. Uh, why not put off that upgrade and uh, and get yourself one of these? It's an early adoption premium on the price, but um, having worn one now for um, about a week, it's going to be awfully tough, awfully tough to go back to three screens. 
Wow. And you were really liking it during the Petit Le Mans uh, and, and kind of saying, boy, just that, that I don't think I would want to race the uh, road courses anyway back on the triples. Yeah, see, that's just um, that's my experience with it is, um, uh, well, with the uh, Riley or the uh, Daytona prototype C7 Corvette, um, I could not get a handle on it on my screens. I just couldn't tell where the left hand side of that car is. And it's just because I'm, I'm not used to driving a, uh, a right hand drive car. Um, so I was messing up the corners. I was uh, running off on the on the grass. I did the same there. thing. <laughs> Yep, it's it's tough. It's tough to get used to. And when I put on the headset and I could actually look around and I could see the corners of my car, um, it changed the game. Um, I, I started running laps that were not not um, high speed laps, not one fifteens, but uh, I was running uh, I think one one seventeens, low one seventeens at one point. Oh, yeah. Okay, so my question is, uh, you know. Compared to Oculus Rift, the comp- competition, I mean, which one is better? Uh, this one obviously costs more. And it, I mean, at the end of the day, would you buy it or not buy it? Uh, at the end of the day, right now, I would buy one of these. I would love to get my hands on an Oculus so I could do a comparative review. And I may, I may see about reaching out to them and uh, seeing if they can loan me a unit to uh, to test because I personally don't know anybody at this point that has a, has an Oculus. Um, but yeah, I would definitely like to get a comparative review going on and see how the two um, perform against each other. Um, uh, as of right now, I'm sold on VR, but uh, the Oculus is, uh, it does have a lower price point. It's uh, I think $550. Yeah, compared to 800 yeah, but you don't get any hand controls with the Oculus. Um, those are coming down the road at an additional cost. And um, instead of the two laser tracking stations, the Oculus has one IR tracking station. Right. And I think my point of view, I don't, I've never tried VR, but if I was, I, I would probably be waiting, if I could, for Facebook Oculus to come out with their version 2. Because you know it's going to rock you know yeah these are just entry um the entry to the market they're they're brand new tech um they're they're early early versions they're only going to get better and the price point's going to come down now there's always going to be that high-end market you know i was saying earlier like a um like a curved screen that's going to come out that's going to be stupid expensive for a while and then prices are going to come down on that that's just the way the market works um, I think Razer is also, um, they also have a headset that's out that works on the open VR, which is what, um, the HTC Vive works on. And, um, I'd like to get my hands on one of those as well and, uh, do, do a comparison against all of them. Yeah, pretty cool. Definitely, uh, a big thing for eye racing, you know, to the way it went from one screen to three and now to the goggles and the VR. So cool stuff. I was, I tell you what, I was really skeptical whenever I first started reading about Oculus Rift and the development kits that people, people had on Oculus Rift or just VR in general, as it uh, pertains to iRacing. But uh, I've strapped on this Vive now. I've turned some laps um, 
in these cars and i'm i'm a believer it's uh it's amazing and it's going to be the future of this uh this type of simulation definitely interesting but that's about all i got okay you got the next topic too i do um iRacing introduced the uh, 1989 GTP ZX Turbo. Um, Carlos apparently has uh, been the only one of us so far that's run this thing. Um, it's a slick-looking car, and I hear it's wicked fast. Tons of torque. All right, so going back. I mean, not going back to anything. I was just uh, talking about this car and the Audi comparing them. How I said you just blast by them on the exits, but... That usually happens once you're past a certain range because the Audi's going to automatically pull out anyway just because of the all-wheel drive. Just that factor alone is low-speed cornering, just really good. And with this car, you know, its speed kicks in like a 90 miles an hour. You get from like 90 to 190 in like five, six seconds. Wow. It's ridiculously fast for, you know, from a car from that era. It's a... You just get up to speed so quick, but being that it's a downforce car, low speed cornering is absolutely awful. It's almost like an airplane wing with wheels. I mean, it can't seem to have more downforce. Oh no, this is probably the highest uh, highest downforce car I've ever driven on here. Besides F one, you know, don't I don't count. And them, then you but. combine that with the power, you can really go through the corners. Huh? Well, as I said, it's only. About medium speed corners, like I don't know what sweeping corners they at Spa. Yeah, one of them, like I said, eighty to hundred and some mile an hour corner. Uh, but things like when you're taking a corner, like the International Horseshoe at Daytona, no grip at all. It's probably worse than a car without downforce at all, because hmm. it has no mechanical grip at that point. So you know, just. But, but when you get up to speed, it, you get an arrow grip, right? Oh, you get tons of it. I said, you're down the straights, any tiny movement, and it'll move quite a bit just because of how much downforce is being created. I don't know. I did a race in this thing. I got a got a video of it on YouTube, and I don't know. It was a fun race. I said, there was a lot of uh, people spinning just because of the turbo in the car. You know, once you get on the throttle, it just breaks loose out of nowhere, and there's really nothing you can do about it. The turbo just kicks in at some point, right? And it just yep. takes off. Let's say yeah. from zero, let's say from a thousand to four thousand RPM, you can st- you can just smash the gas, and you'll get no wheel spin, but you also have no power at all. But once you get past like forty two hundred or forty five hundred RPM, it'll just kick in, and whoever it happens to, there's no chance you're going to save it. It's it's just gone. Right. And this race, that's really what happened. Uh, every uh, car that got into second place spun the thing. So when that second place guy spun, the new, you know, person who inherited the second place, <laughs> he did the same thing, spun, and that happened all the way to the last lap. So I said, Crazy. I ended up getting a third. So you're talking about uh, the new series that iRacing put up just last week called the uh, IMSA Camel GT, right? Yep. Yeah. Probably and that's, run the whole that's uh, both the new cars, right? Even yeah. though they don't really race against each other, you know, one's a, more of a DP style, well, right? Yeah. It's just like what you'd see in the HPD and the Proto GT, you know, different classes. Right. Which I'm hoping I racing releases more from this era. Like, for me, I want that Mazda 787B to be released on here. 
that car is just unforgettable because of its sound. Now, in one of these videos, they put out those nice videos, and one of them, they were showing pictures of the Mazda Museum, where the car was in it, but they were, I was looking at the other cars that were in the museum around it. One of them was this old Mazda, like 1970s, tiny pickup truck, and I was thinking, why wouldn't that be cool if iRacing scanned that and we were racing those? Replace the Mazda. But really, it's unlimited. If they start scanning historical race cars, it's unlimited what they can do. I mean, there's so many of them, you know? And then they don't even have to be race cars. Just do regular passenger cars, you know? Anything's a race car if you got the balls to race it. Well, scan some lawnmowers, right? Speaking of lawnmower, I got that on. <laughs> that would what be a that? blast. Wouldn't it? Let's try it. All right, what Kyle, you're reason? next. They know lawnmowers, though. They'll have to get rid of the 1X for going off track, won't they? Right. You're in the grass. Well, that is not oh, cool. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> All right. Well, next up, the uh, INX racing team put out a video hyping dirt. Didn't Ian and Plash already do this? Yeah, somebody else already did this, It's uh, but it's a different team, I guess, who did it. But they just put dirt on one of the little short tracks, and uh, Thompson it is. Or, and, uh, Looks like Oxford. Oxford, yeah. And then they just kind of, you know, dirt tracked around it. it looks, it's a kind of a neat uh, video. And what, one thing that caught my eye when I watched it was the in-car and how you're looking to the right when the car is going sideways like that to see where you're going, it kind of gives you maybe a little visual of how it might look when dirt comes out. Cause I, when you're in the triple screen situation, that's what I'm saying is, am I going to be looking at the right screen or the center screen? Probably both. I think you're going to be kind of looking towards that split. However right, the bezel is. See, I think yep. uh, I think VR guys might have a uh, might have a distinct advantage there with the dirt, yeah, because they don't have a bezel, <laughs> do they? Yeah, people are screaming. They're like going to turn the their morning. head towards the corner, right, Lance? Right. You can. Um, you've got full range of motion. I, I ran a couple of races in the Skip Barber car. Holy crap! I mean, there's there's no bezel there. There's nothing to distract you. Um, you can you can lean your head over to the side and look at your suspension. It's it's a, amazing how much you can see. And you can yep. see when you're flipping. There you go. I I, I haven't had the misfortune to flip in oh. one yet. Because I wasn't out on track with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, David Phillips uh, posted up in the forums. He's an iRacing employee. Uh, there's going to be a meetup in real life racing at the Petite Le Mans uh, coming up uh, September 30th, uh, Friday at 3.30 p.m. Kind of a a tweet up, uh, get some iRacers together. Uh, Glenn McGee, who's been running the Mazda Championship, uh, will be there as well, Uh, as long as some iRacing swag, which kind of caught my eye. So if you're going to Road Atlanta on Friday, uh, get involved. Okay. Uh, Lance, what happened with Petit Le Mans? You want to tell tell everyone how we did? 
Well, Saturday um, we did and we did not. <laughs> we um, wound up uh, with a meatball, I think, on the um, on the uh, C7, and it uh, it didn't display properly, so uh, the C7 got disqualified, and um, we had a couple of uh, incidents with the uh, GT3 car, and it wound up getting destroyed, and we just couldn't continue. Sunday, we tried again. We ran the um, the C7 only. We for uh, we didn't do the um, the GT3, and we actually had a, a pretty decent run aside from a few hiccups that put us in a P12 overall. Um, the I did the uh, later stints after uh, Dave lost connection to his wheel and couldn't continue, so I, I took over the car a little bit early and uh, passed it off to Mike, and uh, then I finished the race out. Yeah. Not a great result for us. I mean, I wrecked once, I spun, had it saved, but then got ran over. Ten minutes uh, repair. But I wasn't the only one. There were other drivers who did similar things. And uh, and that's kind of where we ended up in 12th. But I don't think at the end of the day there were any cars out there with uh, with no damage. Those things are uh, they're less endurance and more survival. Oh yeah, I think all but one car had damage in some way. And we had some ringers in our race too, didn't we? Oh yeah, the the team that finished P one, um, they were putting down steady one fifteens. Every single person that jumped in that car was putting down one fifteens. Yep, and really high I rating as well. Um, so I don't know if they they purposely got into a low split, lower split than what they could run. But I mean, I could have run the one fifteens if we had a day set put in the car, but we kind of. Kind of forgot to tell Jose to put it on, you know, put the Jose, uh, put the side in. And then we didn't have enough fuel in the car either when we started, right? Oh, yeah. That, that's what initially put us two laps down with a whole series of things. I don't know if Jose or he can tell you about it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It started with, I, I forgot to put a full load of fuel in the car. I ended up uh, starting from the pit because of that. I missed the the, the start of the, the, the gridding. Um, then after that, when I exited the pit, I exited too fast, so I got a speeding in the pit, for, held for 15 seconds, black flag. Had to come back and pit again. When I exited that penalty, I uh, ended up crossing the line, uh, say unsafe exit, so I got a stop and go black flag. Uh, so I had to pit for a third time. This is all in the beginning of the race, the first first lap. Oh, that's a rough start. Yep, and uh, I was able to bring the car back up to at least uh, a P10 overall um, before I handed the car to uh, Carlos, uh, but it was not easy. It was uh, very tough going there in the beginning. Well, lesson learned, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Well, it is a warm-up for the big race, uh, Law, which is coming up uh, end of October. Uh, 24 hours, uh, Carlos. You're working on going to be working on the schedule here, right? Eventually. So we're going to run a car at least. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, I got the next one, Shannon Whitmore, who's a iRacing employee. Uh, he posted up on Twitter. Uh, he just ran his first race with the Oculus Rift, 
Uh, pretty darn cool. Immersion factor is great. But I just wanted to point out, you know, the goggle and the VR thing is new even to the, the iRacing people. I mean, yeah, they support it, but, you know, the, not a lot of them have experience with it, you know, and uh, and they're starting to. It sounds like they got some gear and hardware in there. All right, Kyle, what's up next? Oh, next up, talk about childhood cancer. <clears throat> and um, actually, I should probably let Lance talk a little bit more about it because this is his event. You there, Lance? Yep, I'm here. Um, I am, um, I've got my main uh, car sponsorship uh, transferred over to. Um, uh, Extra Life, and if you've never heard of Extra Life, Extra Life is a, um, a charity. It's what it is. It's a 24-hour gaming marathon um, on Saturday, November 5th, and you can sign up at extra-life.com to be part of a team. I'm currently part of a team uh, that my uh, my uh, IT director and my longtime friend runs uh, at my job. Um, all the money raised. The way it works, okay, you you do a you pledge to do a 24-hour session playing any kind of game you want, whether it's a a video game or a tabletop game or um, a board games, what whatever you want to do uh, for 24 hours, starting at eight o'clock in the morning. You pledge to go from eight o'clock in the morning with basic necessity breaks. I mean, they're not trying to strap you to a chair for 24 hours. You do. Um, 24 hours with breaks for food and restroom and you play a game, any game for that whole 24 hours, all the money that is pledged to you that you can, uh, they have a, a pre-formatted, um, response that you can put on your Facebook page. Um, all the money raised by that, by <laughs> I'm, I'm a little flustered. Hold on. Um, all the money that's raised by pledges to you goes to the Children's Miracle Network. And um, if you know anybody that's ever suffered or from from childhood cancers, you know how you probably know how great these Children's Miracle Networks hospitals are. They take care of these kids. They do amazing things for these kids. They make try to make them happy and comfortable. And um, all that money goes to them. The, the hospital that we support, um, my team, is uh, Sanford Health in, or Sanford Children's Hospital in Fargo, North Dakota. And um, it's, it's an amazing thing. If you can, if you can uh, take part in this or just find somebody who's participating and make a donation, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, how do you do that? There's a website or? Yep. Um, if you go to, to Fossey Racing, um, my post should be up there with yeah. a, a link to the Extra Life site, and it's actually my personal page. Um, it, it has uh, links to join my team um, or start your own team um, or donate, whatever you want to do. If, if you can do it, it's great. If you can't, um, just, uh, just send a well wish to the kids. Uh, that are suffering from this uh, terrible illness. Nice. Okay. Good. Good job, Lance. Uh, oh, Lance. People out. 
for being personally stricken from this type of thing. I'd like to thank you for doing that. Yeah, I've done it the last three years, and uh, I'll continue to do it as long as they do it. I, uh, uh, I'm kind of an introverted guy, and um, this is the one one thing I can do to kind of give back to society and uh, feel like my wife, life is worth something. So uh, uh, I, I enjoy doing it. It ma- it makes me feel good and warm inside. Good work. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're running out of time, so we're going to skip the uh, listener feedback letter we got. We're going to do that next time. I'll pick up the next one here. Uh, follow up on last time, Sam Schmidt, who was an IndyCar driver we talked about who got paralyzed and was using iRacing to help develop a uh, way to drive a real, ra- a real car, actually got a driver's license, uh, a real driver's license from a Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, and he's a quad, a perlegic. But with this new system developed by Aero, uh, using iRacing as a testbed, they, they've uh, built a system where he can get a driver's license. So that's cool. So just thought we'd follow up with that. Uh, the other item uh, was Commodore's Garage. I stumbled across this. If you go to iRacing.com and look at their uh, blog post, you'll find Commodore's Garage. And they're actually on number eight. So there's been a series of articles put out. And it talks about basically how to set up one of these oval cars. Uh, well, and road cars. Uh, but the number eight uh, blog post talks about all kinds of stuff uh, related to springs and how they work and bump stops and coil binding and all this uh, sway bars and how to use this stuff and how does it affect each other and how to do setups. And I started reading through this and I'm like, wow, there's some great information here. So I definitely wanted to mention it. Uh, so search for that Commodore's Garage. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, we're going to skip the letter, and then uh, the next one I'll pick up as well. Uh, Otto Zabini from iRacing announced Season 4 contest, and the first one is the Z1 Dashboard Suite. And if you uh, place their logo on your car and run 10 official races in Season 4, you will be automatically entered to win the software with a five full years of updates. And then Kyle, they had another one, right? Yeah, the virtual racing school. <clears throat> they place the virtual racing school logo on your car and the same thing, run 10 official races in season four. And you'll automatically be entered to win um, $100 worth of iRacing credits and $200 worth of virtual racing school credits. Wow, that's pretty good. That's, I don't know if they've offered cash before like that. Well, it's not cash, but credits. Not that I can recall. Right. Usually you get a prize, but not credits. That's kind of cool. All right, Lance, final topic. Now we've got an issue that's been reported with um, with the in-game spotter. Um, I know Carlos, I believe, was affected by this during the um, during the Petit Le Mans, where the spotter just stopped spotting. And um, iRacing is apparently looking into it, according to a couple of these posts on the forums. 
uh, they're asking for feedback on uh, what uh, what you may have changed or what uh, the update may have changed uh, that's causing this to happen. Yeah, David Tucker, uh, he said it always seems to be tied to the length of the session. So I had told David about Carlo's experience that he was on for several hours uh, there on the Petit Le Mans. And I don't think Carlos knew when the spotter went away, but it definitely went away. Yeah, see, I ducked in and out of the session throughout the day, and uh, I never had an issue that I know know about. Yeah, no, so anyway, ongoing issue. I was driving that whole air, that whole section where that was happening. Uh, I think I was in the session from whenever I first entered and just randomly quit. Didn't it might have had something to do when with I was changing my um uh, I had to initiate my mic again because it was unplugged and replugged and I had to redo all that crap and that might have had something to do with it. I'm not sure. There's a lot of there's not a, there's a lot of people reporting the same thing, so I don't know if that's particularly what caused it. All right, that's our final topic, so uh, hopefully they'll get that fixed. Uh, final thing uh, I have uh, before we get into final thoughts is uh, we're still recruiting over here at Team Tifosti. Uh We haven't heard from anybody. If you think uh, you're good enough to be on our team, let me know. Uh, let's go into final thoughts. Jose? Uh, nothing really. I, I'm, I'm glad we're done with New Hampshire. I'm really not looking forward to Dover. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping for the best. Uh, good luck to everybody in Dover. All right. Kyle Fleischman. I am looking forward to Dover. I had a great runs there this spring. Can't wait to go back. All right. Lance Gentles. Oh, looking forward to uh, trying the headset at Dover, see if it, um, see if it helps any. Um, also, um, just a reminder about uh, Extra Life. If you can, just do a quick Google search on Extra Life. If you can donate, please do so. If you can't, like I said, just spare a well wish for the kids that are uh, having issues. Very good. And Chris Grandel, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. Any final thoughts? Hey, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, Lance, um, we'll be sure to get the word out about uh, Extra Life for you to uh, throw that on our website and see if we can get some of our teammates uh, donating to certainly another great cause. Um, really appreciate you guys having me on. Love the love the podcast. Always lots of great information and uh, look forward to listening next week. Cool. And you're welcome anytime. Thanks for coming, Chris. Uh, Carlos Fonseca, final thoughts. Yeah, I don't got them. Okay, and I'll finish off with, uh, hey, we want to hear from our listeners. Like I mentioned, we've got a, a nice letter from somebody with some topic ideas, and we're actually going to use that on one of the shows. So, hey, get, I want more, though. I need more than one. So you guys need to contact us. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on everything you can think of out there. Find us, so you know. I'm not on Snapchat, okay? So don't Snapchat us, but, you know, you can get us on Facebook real easy. So hit us up. With that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.